You're listening to 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower. I'm your host, Cameron Billis. Alongside me is my good friend, Colin Jackson. Colin, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Enjoying this fine fall weather still, like every week. Yeah, it's warmed up a bit. It was kind of a tease last week with that 60-degree weather, but we're back up in the 70s. I'm loving it. Sun's out. Uh, Tailgate season is upon us, and you know we're getting closer to Detroit Pistons season. So let's talk about... What lies ahead for the Pistons? The management decided to bring in some guys to compete for roster spots, including Hashim Thabit. He's kind of the headline of headliner of the four guys who the Pistons brought in. Thabit was signed to a non-guaranteed one-year contract. The seven-foot-three former number two overall pick in 2009 by the Memphis Grizzlies has played for quite a few teams in the NBA, including the Oklahoma City Thunder. Portland Trailblazers, Houston Rockets, and Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I think without question, Thabit goes down as a bust. Definitely. But he still has spent time in this league. He's still fighting for a roster spot. Why do you think the Pistons signed him? Do you think it was a good signing? I think it's a good signing just to bring some fear into the guys already there so they don't get too comfortable. Obviously, Andre Drummond's not going anywhere at center position. The Pistons already signed Aaron Gray to a contract this summer. So Thabit's one-year non-guaranteed deal doesn't really seem that incredible to me. I don't see him as really being a serious offer so much as just being there, just to be there as some competition to the roster. Now, for his career, Thabit has averaged 2.2 points per game and and 2.5 rebounds per game. Do you think Van Gundy can work some of his big man magic? He spent time with Shaquille O'Neal, Dwight Howard, now Andre Drummond. Thabit obviously is talented. He was one of the best college players in the game when he was at Connecticut. He's only 27 years old. He's only been in the league for four years. Honestly, I think there's a chance he could turn it around, and this could be a very good under-the-radar signing. I do think... I do think I'm not underestimating Van Gundy's ability to turn around the beat. I just don't see who on this roster he's going to get rid of just to replace him. They already have all oh, one men too many, so they already have to cut someone down. Uh they signed Aaron Gray this summer, uh Cartier Martin, uh Jody Meeks, uh DJ Augustine. Who are they going to actually leave? Who are they going to get rid of so they can keep the beat? Understood, but keep in mind the Pistons also have a D League team of their own now. So maybe they think, you know, see what these guys have now, send them down to the D-League, and then if they start to play well there and some guys like an Aaron Gray start to struggle, you bring up someone like the beat. I mean, what what is it, what's that great saying? One thing that you can't teach is height. The beat has it. Seven foot three, not a lot of people can guard that. Now, obviously, that height hasn't gotten him too far in his NBA career early on, but, you know, that's something I think a lot of coaches would love to have and work with. Fair enough. And along along with the high, you mentioned his great college career at UConn. Uh, he was named defense, National Defensive Player of the Year once. Uh, defense is definitely something De- uh, Detroit struggled with in years past. It's something Van Gundy values, which is probably why he considered it to be in the first place. So sending him down to the D-League, I could definitely see that as a possibility. Yeah, and he, I think he also knows what it takes to win. He spent a lot of games with Oklahoma City, in the playoffs, he didn't play a ton. He didn't play a ton, but he was on the bench and, you know, 
being around guys like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook gives you that mindset of, hey, what does it take to win? So I think even just bringing in someone like that to help the culture is beneficial. So I I really like the signing, whether it's a non-guaranteed deal or, 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 excuse me, whether it's a guaranteed deal or not. Now, some other guys who the Pistons brought in, Brian Cook, Lorenzo Brown, and Josh Bostic. Uh, those three guys were added to the training camp roster. Cook has spent nine years in the NBA, mainly for the Los Angeles Lakers, and he's coming off a season where he played in Puerto Rico. It's been a while since he's played for the NBA. Cook actually played for the Pistons' D-League team this past uh, offseason, and for his career, Cook is actually a 38% three-point shooter, and that's definitely something the Pistons need to improve on. So I think there's potential with that signing as well. Definitely. I'm really anxious to see where this goes because out of the four men, Cook definitely has the most NBA experience. Uh, Nine-year pro, like you said, coming off a season, uh, playing abroad. His last NBA season was with the Washington Wizards in 2012. But as far as three-point shooting goes, Van Gundy's definitely added a bunch of people to this roster that can compete for that. And as far as putting pressure in your guards, Pistons guards have definitely slacked off in the past seasons. So as much pressure on the guards as possible, I say it's always a good thing. Well, Cook is one of those guys who can come in and be a stretch for. I see a lot of similar attributes to Rashard Lewis, who Stan Van Gundy coached in Orlando. He's a guy who can go out there, shoot the three ball well. Um, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world at 6'9", 234, and the, and the Pistons have had their fair share of tweeners. But, you know, if you can shoot, that's... The shooting and rebounding are things that translate well, whether you're in college or in the NBA. So, you know, I think that's definitely something that the Pistons should keep an eye on to see how he does in training camp. And I think, again, Cook and Thabit could fight for roster spots. Yeah, especially with, as always, Josh Smith's durability in Detroit is always in question. Van Gundy says he'll be there. We're not sure if he's going to be there. Throughout the whole season, he could just be Trey Bay, whatever. Uh, Brian Cook could definitely come in and compete with uh, Kyle Singler and uh, Luigi Dottomi for his spot, too. Getting back to the other two guys who I mentioned, Lorenzo Brown, uh, he is entering his second season in the NBA. Last year, he played for only 26 games for the 76ers. Very unproven last season. Last season shot only... uh, excuse me, 10% from the three-point line. Uh, You know, Brown has experience in college playing for North Carolina State, was very good, led their team pretty far in some tournaments. But, you know, I don't see him really coming in and making an impact on an NBA level. And finally, Josh Bostic uh, played D2 in college, won the national title in Finley, played French ball for Elon Shalone, uh, excuse me if I mispronounced that, but again, you know, I think this is a guy kind of just to fill in a body for training camp. I don't, I wouldn't look too much into either one of those two signings. The Pistons need to finalize their 15-man roster by October 27th. Colin, I know you've briefly mentioned this, but you think our roster is pretty set in stone? I think that there's a few people that could still leave. Oh, we mentioned Will Bynum being in Detroit for a while. Uh, his impact, I don't know, that could be a surprise dropping from the roster. Uh, other than that, I don't know, Tony Mitchell this summer, uh, he did okay. 
So I'm not quite sure who they would leave. Obviously, not going to leave Jody Meeks, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, uh, Brennan Jennings, DJ Augustine, uh, Andre Drummond, Greg Monroe, Josh Smith, or even Kyle Singler. So aside from those guys, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, this past season, the Pistons brought on Jody Meeks, Cartier Martin, Aaron Gray, Spencer Dinwiddie in the draft, and, uh, excuse me, Karan Butler and DJ Augustine. So I think those five guys are relatively safe. Um, You know, you don't go out and sign those guys just to release them unless they really underperform. So those are already five guys. Then you can add, like you said, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Andre Drummond, you're at seven there, Brandon Jennings, eight, uh, Greg Monroe, nine, Kyle Singler, ten. So, you know, you can have a 15-man roster. You might not even fill the whole 15. So there's, I think there's a few spots to play with. Um, I would say that Will Bynum's probably safe, and I think Louis J. Detome is probably safe. So there you're at 12. and uh, Jonas Jerebko, too, probably. So there's 13. Um, Tony Mitchell, I don't think he had that great of a summer league. Very athletic, very raw talent. He could be a guy that goes down to the D-League. So again, oh, excuse me, I missed Josh Smith. So <laughs> was uh, what was that, 14? I believe so. Okay, so I think there's... Uh, maybe one roster spot up for grabs. And, you know, that's the point of training camp for guys to come in and fight for that spot and play as well as they can. So uh, training camp's right around the corner. Impact Sports will keep you updated on those roster spots, who makes the team, who doesn't make the team. But moving on, Andre Drummond came out and said he wants to be a bigger team leader this year. How do you think his experiences with Team USA will make him a better player? I think just being around better players, like you said, it's that at, it's that winning atmosphere. Obviously, uh, Team USA had a great summer in the FIBA Basketball Championship. Uh, just being around those great players, I guess, getting that mentality together. It's kind of the same with hanging out during All-Star Weekend, but you actually get a chance to play with them for real, become a team with them, uh, take things back from them, take them back to the locker room in Detroit. Uh, he didn't get, them, get that much playing time, so... Aside from in Detroit where he's like the star, I think it was also good for him just to build that little bit of humility, realize, okay, I'm no longer the big fish in the small pond here. So I think a lot of those things will help him build as a person and as a player. Yeah, it was interesting. Last week I had the opportunity to talk to Andre Drummond's FIBA U17 coach, Don Showalter, which you can check out the podcast at impact89fm.org backslash sports. And Don talked about how Andre was a very quiet guy, very mild-mannered, but he thinks that Andre's experience playing for this USA team was tremendous. And, you know, they had a lot of guys on that roster, such as Anthony Davis and Kenneth Fareed and a few other guys who might not make an Olympic team roster because, you know, you have guys like Kevin Durant and LeBron James, but those superstars didn't play on this FIBA World Cup team. And that gave these under-the-radar NBA players a chance to really showcase their talents, and they dominated. And I think Andre playing around these great players, albeit not the superstars, but still these great players, really helped his game and made him realize, you know, what it takes to be a great player. Um, (coughs) You know, he hasn't had the opportunity so far in the NBA to play on a team that's competitive. So now to be on a team that went undefeated and won a gold medal, I think will be very refreshing for him and kind of even out his mindset and build him into a better player. 
But in order to do that, I think he does need to lead. I think he needs to be the guy who goes out there every day, is spending the most time in the gym, night in, night out, getting up early, going to the gym, being the first one there. If guys see him doing that, the best player on the team, then they're going to think, yeah, you know what, that's something I should be doing too. So, you know, Andre needs to lead by example. I understand he's a very quiet guy. So, you know, just because he doesn't necessarily lead vocally, which I'm not sure if that's the angle that he wants to do, he can still lead by example. Exactly, and that's what I think too. When Josh Smith came in last season, I think what he was expecting was, oh, I'm going to be the leader. I had this great run in Atlanta. I'm going to take over, lead this team, and that wasn't the case. So you heard a lot of complaining from Josh Smith, though, about the work ethic, about guys like, uh, well, Andre Drummond, for example, I think he didn't specifically call him out, but he said that there was a losing atmosphere in Detroit, and for that reason, people weren't working as hard as they could. And depending on whether or not you see it, uh, that's your decision, but I think definitely being part of Team USA is going to give him that extra boost so if he wasn't showing it before, he's got he's definitely going to show it now. Well, that's the thing. You bring up a good point. Culture. That's such a big word in sports nowadays. Don Showalter talked about the culture he tries to represent with his USA team. You think about the Detroit Lions, how they have a, ne- a negative culture. They always seem to have a losing culture. Even when they had, I believe, they were at 6-2 and two last year, and it looked like the playoffs were inevitable, you know, there's still that cloud over the top of their head that says, hey, we're the Detroit Lions. We don't make the playoffs, so uh, that's just part of their culture. The Pistons right now are in one of those funks where you know they have a tremendous history. They're one of the greatest franchises in the NBA, but their culture right now is down. It's been down from some of the players that they've brought in, but they, they're trying to make a clean slate. They brought in a new president, new head coach, new general manager, new leaders on the team such as Karan Butler, and I think they're definitely headed in the right direction. Oh, definitely, definitely. And speaking of new leaders or new personnel on the team, uh, they brought in this summer DJ Augustine uh, to play point guard also. So that just brings up a whole new thing with the battle between Brennan Jennings and DJ Augustine as point guard. And how do you think that's going to play out? Well, I think Augustine was brought in to complement Jennings. I don't think at the moment he's going to compete for a starting job. I think he'll be... A sixth or seventh guy off the bench, him and Caldwell Pope would be my guess, but either Pope or Singler. But, you know, that, and I think Augustine's fine with that. He spent time in the NBA coming off the bench and doing a good job as a backup point guard. He's averaged 13.1 points per game, shoots 42%, and averages four and a half assists per game. So I think he knows his role and will handle it well. But I think it puts pressure on Jennings to step his game up. He came out and said this past season was the worst season of his career. Uh, He did average 15.5 points per game, but only shot 37%, although he did have 7.5 assists per game, which was good for him. I believe it was a career high. And so, you know, Jennings talked about how the experience of having a coach fired midseason right when he was getting into his groove and the losing culture here in Detroit was also distracting for him and really uh, held him back. So, you know, Jennings is huge for the Pistons' success. Obviously, a point guard is very important to a team, but Jennings has the capability to lead a team to the playoffs. He's done it before in Milwaukee. He was their best player. So the Pistons need Jennings and Andre to be their two best players, in my opinion. 
I think that Greg Monroe and Josh Smith obviously need to elevate their games to what to a level that they've shown in the past. But I think if Andre Drummond and Brandon Jennings are your two best players, I think that's a recipe for success. All right. I do see that also. Like you said, uh, Brandon Jennings just had the better stats than DJ Augustine. And DJ Augustine, had, he's used to coming off the bench and everywhere he's been so far. But I do think at some point, if Brandon Jennings doesn't pick up the slack, as you said, and he's not the best player on Detroit's team, I do think his starting his starting spot can be lost to DJ Augustine. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility, but I don't think that's coming anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, I think Van Gundy's going to give Jennings the benefit of the doubt, kind of learning a new system, and he knows that he's the most talented point guard on his roster. So, you know, talent obviously doesn't win you games alone. But it, it it definitely helps win games. So, you know, like I said, keep an eye on Jennings and Augustine and the battles that they have during training camp. Will Bynum could be at a loss for playing time with the signing of Augustine. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Will Bynum's game. I'm not sure how you feel about it. But it always seems to me that when he's in the game, he does a great job of penetrating the, the rack. But he doesn't do when when he's in the game. Other players seem to tune out because it's more of a pick and roll. Andre Drummond and Will Bynum show, and none mm-hmm. other guys are getting involved. And I do think I do see that also. He's not that much of a team player that Detroit really needs as the starting position. If you want some a little bit of zazz to the game, I guess you can add him in. But like you said, just the pick and roll, Will Bynum, Andre Drummond show, and it's fun to watch every now and then, but as far as winning games go and being a team, that's not really what you need. Yeah, I agree. There have definitely been some times where Bynum has come in and led a charge back to help Detroit overcome a deficit and get a victory, but more times than not, I'd say Bynum entered the game last year when the Pistons were down pretty big, and you know, I think that says something about how the coaches felt about him and just how his game isn't overly effective. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that one. On the bright side, though, he did have the best three-point percentage of his career last year in taking shots. Just a small silver lining right there. (laughs) Yeah, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, I guess you could say. But moving on, Jeff Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy's brother, who is a ESPN personality, says he does not believe the Pistons will make the playoffs this year. Agree or disagree? I see where he's coming from. Jeff Van Gundy, uh, his whole position was Detroit's going to take a lot more than just one summer to rebuild after so many years of Joe Dumars and so many years of a playoff deficit. But on the other hand, I'm really curious to see where Stan Van can take this and I really do hope we can at least uh, the team can at least make a eighth seed spot in the East, especially with the East being so bad in recent years. I think anything's possible. Yeah, well, now there's that big change of power in the East from Miami to Cleveland, with LeBron leaving South Beach and going back to his hometown in Cleveland and joining Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. So it'll be interesting to see if the eighth seed will be as dreaded as it was in the past. If 
Cleveland will click like Miami's clicked, or if you know they're not quite at that same level of chemistry, which wouldn't be that surprising. There's you know to join a new team and have a new set of teammates is an interesting transition. And you know, as an athlete myself, obviously not on that level, but I've gone from team to team over the course of several years, and it's tough. You you know, it's great to make new new friends and all that, but it's definitely not the easiest thing in the world to do. I think I would tend to agree with Van Gundy. I think the Pistons have talent, but I don't think they have that chemistry to get them to the playoffs. The only way I see them making it is, you know, Andre just elevates his game to a level that no one's ever seen before, or Brandon Jennings just, you know, does the same type of thing. And I think the Pistons, I think they'll be in it till the end. But ultimately, at the moment, I don't see them making the playoffs, even under Stan Van Gundy's leadership. I'm just saying, out of out of all the teams in the East right now, I'm just thinking the ones that are for sure going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. I'm seeing uh, Brooklyn's going to be there. I'm seeing Cleveland's going to be there. I'm seeing uh, Miami there, Toronto there, and Chicago there, and uh, Indiana and Washington. So that leaves one spot open. And honestly, the Knicks, they brought in Phil Jackson. But I'm still curious to see what they can do. I've Granted, I haven't been following them as close as I could be. Uh, there's still the Celtics there. Uh, there's still Philadelphia coming back with after a while of having bad records. So I do think that eighth seed's pretty open. Yeah, def- I mean, the East is always wide open. If the league has shown us anything over the past couple of years, it's that. I think the East is definitely on the rise, with, like you said, with teams like Toronto and Washington. But, you know, the Pistons just don't have that winning culture yet. They don't have the players who have been there, where when push comes to shove, you need a victory they have the guys who can go out there and do it for you, like a Kobe Bryant, where you know someone's just going to get the ball at the end of the game and make that big shot. Uh huh. And I think that's maybe what Van Gundy was looking for, too. Just the guys that, even if they weren't the stars on the winning teams this summer, uh, like you said, leaders like Karan Butler, people that were at least on the teams with winning cultures, people that knew what it was like to fight, knew what it was like to succeed, and knew what it takes to be a great team on the court and in the locker room. Well, in former Detroit Pistons news, Darko Milicic, the great Darko Milicic, has decided to hang up uh, hang up his basketball shoes and pursue a kickboxing career. What are your thoughts on, on Darko? I sincerely laughed out loud the first time I read this because I thought it was a joke. Kickboxing, to me for Darko Milicic at least, is like Floyd Mayweather pursuing a poetry career. It just doesn't seem like something that would just happen out of the blue. Granted, this is just because I'm a Pistons fan, so I don't really have that much of a positive opinion on Darko. Take it as you will. But as far as kickboxing goes, I think Darko could use could have better uses of his time. Well, you know, I don't know too much about kickboxing, but I'd, I'd believe that those long legs of his will definitely help in a kickboxing career. I guess so. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Like, I guess I'm used to seeing the small fighters like Floyd Mayweather. I don't know what his picked on him a second ago, but I'm just used to seeing like 
lightweight fighters. It's been a while since uh, I've watched a heavyweight fight or someone with someone as big as Darko. You figure like being that tall and lanky at the same time would kind of be a disadvantage. I don't know. Yeah, well, regardless, when the name Darko comes up, you always have to talk about the controversy. Supposedly, Richard Hamilton wanted the Pistons to draft Mello, Carmelo Anthony, uh, and a lot of fans would tend to agree with him. What What were your thoughts, if you can remember, back when the Pistons drafted Darko? See, this is a podcast that's not recorded, so I couldn't do the Rip Hamilton face he made when he was talking about his reaction when the Pistons drafted uh, Darko over Mello, but it was pretty funny. Um, I pretty much had that same reaction. Like, you see all these people are still on the board, and you go with Darko. And personally, though, I'm not sure the Pistons would be any in a better position if they do have did have Melo, just because Melo, he still doesn't have the ring. Even Darko had the ring. He wasn't the reason for the ring, but at least Darko has the ring. Meanwhile, Melo has had some bad luck in the NBA. I don't think Darko was ever given a fair chance to showcase his game. When when he came into the NBA, Larry Brown decided that he was just going to ride at the end of the bench until it was we were either getting blown out or we were blowing someone out, which I tend to be the latter back in that in that day. But, you know, having Melo, who would have been playing alongside Tayshaun Prince, kind of fighting for that small forward spot, definitely would have been interesting. One thing... I noticed about Melo's game is that he is a terrific scorer and he'd be a great street basketball player. Obviously he's a great NBA player, but I at the moment I would not want Melo on my team. I don't think he will ever lead any team to an NBA championship. Exactly, and that's the team aspect. That's the most important part of the that's the most important part, the word team. He's not a team player. He's more of a ball hog. You said he's a terrific scorer, and yeah, obviously to win the game, you need more points than the other person in the other team. But as far as Melo goes, I don't. I agree. I don't see him leading a team. He needs to set his ego aside if he ever has hopes of actually winning a championship. Yeah, now he's being coached by Derek Fisher, first-time NBA coach. He's under... Phil Jackson's new regime in New York, and as you know, Phil Jackson was great with the triangle offense and Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. So now it seems Melo's the new wrinkle in that triangle offense. It'll be interesting to see how he operates under that system. You know, I liked liked a lot of his teams in Denver with Chauncey and some of those fast-paced teams, but even those teams weren't good enough to get it done. Again, I just, I wouldn't want Melo on my team if I was starting... (laughs) If I was starting a team today. Uh, another former Piston, Charlie Villanueva, recently signed with the Dallas Mavericks. The terms of that deal have not been disclosed. Happy for Charlie, or what are your thoughts on Mr. Villanueva? I wish him the best. <laughs> Plain and simple. He didn't, know what he, he didn't do what we wanted him to do in Detroit, but hopefully Mr. Cuban can get it done. Yeah, I mean... You know, he had his moments where he made some big threes, but ultimately he was not the player Joe Dumars and the Pistons organization wanted him to be, expected him to be. And so I think many Pistons fans are happy to see him sign with a new team and expectedly ride someone else's bench. So officially the Charlie Villanueva days 
in Detroit are over. And finally here on Horsepower on 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports, we're going to talk about the Pistons' long trade drought. The Pistons' last trade came 415 days ago, if you can believe that, Colin. It is the second longest trade drought in the NBA behind only the Portland Trailblazers. 24 out of 30 NBA teams have even made a trade since draft night this past this past season in June. So, you know, that's pretty unbelievable to me. Trades are obviously a great way to improve your team. Now, sometimes trades don't work out for both parties. Actually, more often than not, they don't work out for both parties. <coughs> and the Pistons, as a matter of fact, own the 10th longest trade drought of all time, which was over 1,000 days, uh, 1,079 days to be exact. And that ended when the Pistons traded Ben Gordon in a first-round pick to the Charlotte Bobcats for Corey Maggette, and obviously that deal didn't work out too well for the Pistons. So, you know, what are your thoughts on this trade drought, and do you think it's good for the Pistons to wait? Do you think they should be more patient, less patient? Well, when I look at the trade, at least the current active 415-day trade drought, trade drought, I think of a few things. First, I think of if you're not constantly trying to improve, you're probably getting worse as a team and the level is competitive as the NBA, especially with teams getting better all the time, the East is improving. But at the same time, uh, it doesn't seem like that long until you actually think about it. Think You think like, wow, was Brandon Knight, Brandon Jennings that long ago? Just because all this summer, all we heard about was Greg Monroe's free agency. Do we trade him? Do we keep him? Blah, blah, blah. Josh Smith possibly being traded all summer long. A few other people coming in and out. And I think that's where the distractions come in. We also signed a ton of free agents. So would a trade have been more beneficial? Probably. But at the same time, I'm not upset. Well, and with a trade, in order to get something good, you got to give up something good. Now, obviously, that's tough because a lot of GMs like the talent that they have or else they want to bring them in. Now, the Pistons have a new GM, so obviously he didn't bring in all the talent that's on our team. But, you know, there's something about a trade that it's it takes takes two to tango. I'm, I'd be curious to know if teams just don't like operating with the Pistons, if it's something in our management that just kind of... Mm-hmm. puts people back and was that more of a Joe Dumars thing is it a Scott Boyer thing I would tend to think it's not a a, a Boyer thing as he's new but you know that's just something that kind of when I read this article that was one of the first things that came in my mind yeah and I really don't know who to place this on just because oh well like you said Joe Dumars also owns the 10th 10th longest trade route in NBA history uh going back to the Ben Gordon trade so Hopefully in the Van Gundy era, uh, the trades can flow more freely a little bit. Hopefully we can get... I think Van Gundy has the people he wants, and he seems like he's content with building a team kind of from scratch, almost like Joe Dumars was. Hopefully Van Gundy will have some more, some better results than that. But yeah, I do, I do tend to agree, though, that it would be more under the Dumars administration. Well, that's the thing, and the big thing for GM is to not make a trade just to make a trade not to make a trade to make your fans happy you need to make a trade that's smart both from a business sense and from a team sense if you're going to go in go on and bring in a guy who 
let's say the Pistons were to go out and trade for Dwight Howard. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense right now because, one, he's a max player. Two, we don't need a center. So, yeah, it'd be great to have Dwight Howard on your team. I guess that's an argument for a different day. But it's not something the Pistons need to do right now. So that's the biggest thing, I think, when it comes to trade is to just not make a trade to make a trade and to make your fans happy. Definitely, and... I completely agree, except for the Dwight Howard thing. I think three, Dwight and Stan Van don't happen to get along. They're not exactly the best of friends. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think Howard's <laughs> coming to Detroit anytime soon. But this is the Horsepower on 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. For all the latest and greatest in MSU and Detroit sports news, make sure to check out our website at impact89fm.org backslash sports. I'm Cameron Billis. That's Colin Jackson. Thanks for listening.